So we are in week three of this series that we've called Rooted, and what we're doing is taking a four-week dive, if you will, into a passage of scripture from Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17. And uh, we're actually going to look at a, at a different passage in Mark in a minute, but I just want to want to uh, remind you of the passage in Jeremiah and then kind of catch you up as to what we've talked about so far. So Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says, blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. And it doesn't fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green. It's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Verse 7, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And we've really spent most of our time just talking about that first verse in this passage. So over the last couple of weeks, what we've learned is that to be blessed in this particular case, when we read this passage, it's not talking about material blessing. It's not talking about uh, uh, having a great family life. It's not talking about health. It doesn't mean you're going to have a, a perfect family. If you do have a perfect family, I'd love to meet you. I don't know any perfect families. But the point is, that's not what, what this is all about. The, this idea of being blessed, we defined it as being fully satisfied in God, regardless of your circumstances. Being fully satisfied in God, regardless of your circumstance. And the idea is that that while God absolutely can and does bless us with material blessings sometimes, that, that Jeremiah 17 is a portrait of intimacy with God. It's really knowing who you are. It's, it's, it's sinking into the lyrics of that song, like, you know my name, you walk with me, you talk with me. Those are the, that's a picture of what it means to be blessed. Not that we can sing that, but that we would actually know that that's true in our lives. So this, this, is a, this being blessed is a deep sense of delight in God and that God delights in you. I've been thinking a lot the last few days as I put this together of my grandbabies and just how much delight I have in them. And then it just always hits me that, that God delights in me more, right? Like that's, that's what it means to be blessed. When you really sink into the understanding of how much God loves you, where you draw your strength and your encouragement from your connection and your relationship with God. Now, here's the deal. We all go through seasons of correction or seasons of, of difficulty, hard circumstances. Sometimes we go through hard circumstances because we're being disciplined. Sometimes it's just the nature of the world. Sometimes it's a combination of both of those. But when you know who you are in Christ, when you know how much God loves you just because you are you, then those difficult seasons are so much more, uh, I don't want to say easy, but we are able to navigate them well, okay? So our mission statement here at Grace is what? We are... <clears throat> Excuse me. One more time. We are, and the only way that we can live like Christ is to actually be reshaped, to actually be transformed, to be, to be made into something new. Refined is another word for it. If you actually are in Jeremiah and you just went to chapter 18, God is still talking and it says, you are like clay in the potter's hands and I am the potter. And I love that image because if you think about it, think about just the clay and the, and the potter working the clay and, and molding the clay and bending the clay. Now, now, that sounds somewhat painful, right? That, there's something about that that ought to, to get our attention, that, that this molding, this reshaping, this making us into the image of his son is, is something that's going to be difficult. It's going to cause some 
some pain at times in our lives, but to be blessed is to know that God is doing it for a reason that, that you can go. So it says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. The second thing that we've covered in detail is that there's a symbiotic relationship between blessing and trust, right? I've used this picture of God reaching out his hand and saying, do you trust me? And that when we're willing to take his hand and take that leap of faith, we discover that we can trust him. But it's not until we actually take his hand and we actually take that leap of faith and we put our trust in him that we, that we start to discover it. So, so you get it. The, it takes trust to grow in trust. You have to exercise your faith to grow in faith. But Jeremiah says to trust him and, and not to trust in flesh, not to trust in yourself, that that taking his hand is giving up control and doing things your own way. So to be blessed is to be fully satisfied and when we're blessed, we learn to trust him fully. And then it says, in that moment, you are like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream, that doesn't fear when the heat comes, its leaves remain green, it's not anxious in the year of drought, and it does not cease to bear fruit. Last week, we talked about the fact that we participate in this, that we actually are a part of sending out our roots. And I, and I talked about the trees on the hill, that, that actually their roots go deep when the heat comes, that without the heat, the roots never go deep, that that's part of what God uses to, to get us into a, have a firm foundation. Our leaves are green. There's no fear or anxiety when the heat comes. But the question we want to unpack this morning is, what does it mean to bear fruit? In every season, he bears fruit. What is fruit? So grab your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark's the second book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and uh, look for uh, chapter 4. And in this particular passage, Jesus is actually telling a story, what, what we call a parable. And one of the benefits we have of this particular parable is that he also explains the parable. We don't always get the explanation. We got to do some digging to figure out what that would mean. But in this case, he explains exactly what the parable means. So we're going to read the parable, and then we're going to read Jesus' explanation of the parable. So Mark, starting in verse 1, talking about Jesus, says he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, <coughs> excuse me, so that he got into the boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teachings, he said to them, listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seeds, they fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprung up since it had no depth in the soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Verse 7, other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it out, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds, they fell on the good soil, and it produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then the disciples asked him, what are you talking about? Right? Which is kind of where they always were with Jesus. Like, this is a really good story. I have no idea what it means. So Jesus starts in 14 by explaining. He says, here's the deal. The sower sows the word. That's an important thing. We're going to look at what that means. The sower sows, sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown, and when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. 
And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and, and they have no root in themselves, but, but endure for a while. But when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Verse 18, and the others are the ones sown among the thorns, that those are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things, keyword, desire for other things, enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Ah, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones that hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. And one of the problems with this passage is it's most often been used as an evangelism passage. That someone goes out and they tell people about Christ and sometimes people on the hard path are gonna hear it, but some people are gonna hear it. And that, that's a good application to it, but the problem with that application is it, if that's how you're gonna apply it, then it doesn't apply to all those people who have accepted Jesus. When the truth is, I, this passage actually is written to all of us about the condition of our heart. And what it's really saying is that the condition of your heart determines whether, the, determines whether or not we have fruit in our lives. Let me say it again. The condition of our heart determines the fruit that we have in our lives. But what is fruit? Fruit is the word of God lived out in your life. Fruit is the word of God lived out in your life. It's when, when a word from God grows into maturity and bears fruit in your life. It's, it's lived out and it becomes fully mature. So in verse 14, he says, the sower sows the word. Here's the question. How many of you believe that God speaks? How many of you believe that God doesn't just speak corporately, that God doesn't just spoken to us in, in, in the word of God in, in a big picture, but that God speaks to you as an individual. How many of you, when you sing that song, he knows my name, he walks with me, he talks with me. That was such an intimate song, but it's a picture of God in relationship with you, talking to you, speaking to you as an individual, calling you by name and saying something particular to you. How many of you believe that God is speaking? Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, he is. The question isn't, does God speak? The, thank you. The question is, are we listening? Because God speaks through the scriptures personally. God speaks through our friends to us. God speaks in nature to us. God speaks uh, through, through our C groups. If you're in a C group, God speaks in all kinds of ways. And the question is, are we listening to what God is saying? Now, in my case, uh, God usually speaks to me in multiple ways of the same thing. And I'm pretty sure it's because I'm either dull or stubborn or pig-headed or all three. Um, but this is how it works for me. Sometimes I'm reading the word, um, I'm doing my Bible study or whatever, and I get a sense that God is trying to tell me something. And so, uh, okay, God, I think I know what you want. And then, uh, unbeknownst to Meg, we haven't even had a conversation, she'll start talking to me and she'll say, I really think, and she'll say almost the exact same thing that I was just thinking, and then I turn on the radio and some preacher that I don't even know is preaching a sermon and it's the same topic and it's the same thing, right? And then I'm like, oh, I, I, you're trying to say something here, aren't you? Right? How many of you have had that, like in your week, where you're working through something, and then you walk in, and then the sermon happens to land right into that same thing? Look, that's just God's sovereignty. That doesn't have anything to do. That's just God speaking to you individually. So when God speaks, that's the word 
of God. That's the seed. Anytime God speaks to you, it's a seed, right? That's what you need to hold on to from this parable. Anytime God speaks to you, it's a seed. But what the parable is telling us is that not all seeds grow up to bear fruit. Right? So the determinant of whether or not that seed is going to germinate and that seed is going to grow roots and that seed is going to mature and that seed is going to bear fruit is whether or not our hearts allow it to. Our hearts are the soil for those seeds to land. So the story that Jesus tells says sometimes our hearts are hard, they're, they're trampled down. The wounds of life produce a, a hardness of heart, hard soil, difficult to break through. Jesus says in verse 15, these are the ones along the path where the word is sown, and when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Fascinating, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> sorry. If you look at the passage, it actually says when they hear. What I want you to see is they heard the word of God. They heard God speak, right? Right? but their hearts are hard. There, there's a, a bitterness, a, an anger, self-protection. This is, this is where unforgiveness haunts us because our hearts become hard when we, when we carry bitterness and unforgiveness. And so God speaks, but that seed can't penetrate the hardness of our heart and Satan comes and he snatches it away. God speaks, but the word that doesn't take root in our hearts, there's no roots and it doesn't bear fruit. The word of God is not, in this case, lived out in your life. Now, sometimes it doesn't, it, the seed doesn't take root because the passage says we have unhealthy attachments. These are the, the rocks, right? And so I told you last week about this farm that I've been hunting since I was 19 years old. It's uh, one of my favorite tracts of land. But this particular farm is very uncommonly rocky, more so than even the surrounding farms. I don't know what the deal is. I've always wondered if it was like the edge of a glacier receding or something, but it's crazy how rocky this farm is. My dad, who's going to be 93 this month, grew up uh, as a young boy three miles or two miles from this farm, and he remembers when they first started clearing the land to make it a farm, to make it tillable, and he said that people would laugh at them because there was no way they were ever going to make a farm out of that rocky soil. It was just crazy rocky. So for literally for eight decades, every year as the farmer plows that field, more stones come to the surface. I don't understand how all that works with the frost, but all, all of a sudden more stones are surfaced. And that farmer goes out and he picks those stones out of the field. Nowadays, they have machines with tractors that do it, but they used to do it with a, you know, a horse, a wagon, and a backache, right? And so, but, but if you go to that farm in the fence row, there are literally hundreds of thousands of rocks in the, in the fence row. Some of the rocks are the size of my fist. Some of the rocks are the size of a Volkswagen, right? But, but everywhere in that field where there's a rock, there's not going to be any crop, right? And, and when it was original the farm, there were so many rocks that you couldn't even grow a crop. It took a lot of work. But so the rocks are our unhealthy attachments. Anything that you lean into, anything that you grab onto for comfort instead of God, right? So anything that, that you would go to instead of God becomes the rocks in your life. So it could be habits, it could be all kinds of things. And so what does Jesus say? He says, when these people hear the word, this is verse 16, they immediately receive it with joy. And, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, 
immediately it falls away. I love this. It says, they receive it with joy. They know what God said, and they're excited about it. How many of you have participated in the one word challenge this year? How many of you prayed for a word? God's given you a word. That's God speaking to you. That's one of the reasons I love the one word challenge because it gives you an opportunity to listen to God and God speaks to you. Well, you and I both know that, that it's gonna take intentionality and, and leaning into that for that word to stick. And it could be that a month from now, two months from now, you're like, yeah, I don't even remember what my word was. I, what was that, right? Right? So God can speak. You can be super excited about your word, but you and I both know, or at least I know, that if I'm not intentional, that word could just fade away and not be a part of, of what God is trying to do, right? But, but think about it. It says they receive it with joy. They're excited about it. How many times have you heard God speak and you're so excited about it or you read something and you know it's just for you and then you can't even remember a few weeks later? That was a profound moment. I have no idea what it was, right? Okay. But look at what it says. It says, but then when the tribulation and persecution arises, on account of the word, they fall away. On account of the fact that God spoke, you go through tribulation and trial. It's crazy when you think about it. This is so profound. This is spiritual warfare. God gives you a word. Guess who doesn't want your word to take root? Guess who doesn't want your word to, to mature? Guess who doesn't want your word to be lived out in your life? Satan. So he uses whatever he can, the rocks of your life, your unhealthy attachments, to distract you, to pull you away, to get you to get your, your mind and your, your heart off of that word from God. And I'm not just talking about the one word challenge. I'm talking about any time God speaks, someone is opposed to you, allowing that seed to, to, to get roots and to bear fruit in your lives. So when the, when the soil is rocky, the word of God is not lived out in our lives. And then it talks about the crowded soil. And, and it's similar, but I think the crowded soil is just the, the weight of life. Raising kids, having a job, uh, navigating the freeways, whatever it is. All of those things that can just... They can just take up all of our mind space just to get through the day. And what it's saying is all of that can choke out what God is doing, right? So it takes some intentionality of, of moving those things out of the way, the crowded space in our lives where the word of God can't, can't mature, it can't grow up and bear fruit. But then there's the good soil, the good soil that allows for the seed to be rooted, the soil where God speaks, we receive it with joy, we don't allow bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, the hardness of our heart to get in a way, and we don't allow unhealthy attachments to get away, and we don't allow the busyness of life to get in a way, and the seed becomes rooted in our lives, and it grows, and it bears fruit 30, 60, 100-fold. Fruit is the word of God lived out in your life. But I want to give you some examples of fruit, because I just think it's important. So fruit can be uh, your demeanor. It can be uh, a, a picture of your character. That's why Galatians describes the fruit of the Spirit as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Love as opposed to hatred. Love as opposed to bitterness, right? Love towards people who are opposed to your point of view, even on Facebook. Write it down, even on Facebook. I get so tired of things that we post, but we're called to love those who disagree with us, 
right? So love is, it, it's a fruit, right? God plants a seed in our lives, gives us the spirit, and it's supposed to be lived out. Joy as opposed to gloom, peace as opposed to turmoil, kindness as opposed to being rude, goodness as opposed to willfully sin, gentleness as opposed to being short-tempered or overbearing, self-controlled as opposed to being compulsive. So fruit can be demeanor, it can be our character. God speaks to you and says, I want you to, to be more joyful. That was my word last year. You need to work on how you love other people. You gotta work on your self-control. God can, can begin to show you these and, and you work through it. But fruit can also be action. When God tells you to do something, right? It, it, God has spoken. For you to bear fruit is to actually do it. So it could be something like a justice thing. So, so maybe we talk about sore and you feel a nudge from God, I really need to tutor a child. Well, you're being responsive to that nudge from God and actually tutoring a child is bearing fruit when God speaks. But maybe it's just God's telling you, you're supposed to have an intentional conversation with someone. You're supposed to go and talk to, but you don't want to go talk to because you don't know how that conversation is going to go. Fruit isn't how the conversation goes. Fruit is... The word of God lived out in your life. God said, go have a conversation. You know what you need to do? Go have a conversation. That's the fruit lived out in your life. So it can be an action. It can be your demeanor, right? What I want you to hear this morning is that, that God is speaking. God is, is talking to you. He knows your name. He is speaking to you through his word, through your, your community of believers, through all kinds of, of ways, God, through circumstances, God is speaking. And whether or not we hear and live out what God is saying is all comes back to the condition of our hearts. Now, the band's gonna come up and we're gonna uh, sing again and we're gonna go to communion. And I love that today is communion because the scriptures tell us whenever you come to the table that you ought to examine yourself, that you ought to be intentional about asking yourself, where am I? How am I doing with God? And so this sets us up perfectly to ask some good questions. Is there resentment in my spirit? Is there unforgiveness in my spirit? That's one of the reasons that the restorative prayer is so powerful because it walks people through this like being able to ask good questions of their heart. But, but when it comes to this parable, the truth is we should ask this question all the time because our hearts are always changing. We don't just end up with good soil and like, okay, great, I have good soil. Things come, things happen, and suddenly you realize, man, my heart is so hard this week. I am so resistant to what God is trying to do today, right? So the question is the question we need to ask all the time, but we get to ask it this morning and just say, God, show me the condition of my heart. Is it good soil? I pray almost every Sunday that you would have an encounter with the living God and that a seed would be planted and that it would bear fruit a hundredfold. That's my prayer for you almost every Sunday. But what I realize, even as I'm teaching this, is that that's only gonna happen when you, the soil is good, when you're ready to receive with joy and then have that seed lived out in your life. So servers are gonna come and we're gonna hand this out. Abby's gonna sing over us. Um, and I just encourage you as she sings to reflect and ask the Lord, where's my heart? What's the condition of my heart? Hold the elements, uh, we'll take them together. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is for you. Uh, you don't have to be a member of grace. Just if you've said yes to Jesus, grab the elements, I'll come back up and we'll take them together. <laughs>
in the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil I now surrender, you are breaking new ground. So I yield to you into your careful hand. And when I trust you, I don't need to understand. Make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. Bring new wine out of me. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil, I
scriptures tell us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, knowing everything that was before him, I think sometimes we forget that Jesus knew. He, he knew the painful death. He knew what the cross was going to be like. Yet he did it. It's amazing to me. And it was that night before he knew all of this that he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Every time you eat it, remember. It says in the same way he took the cup, the cup of sacrifice. He said, this is my blood shed for you. Every time you drink it, remember me. Lord, help us to remember that as we remember the length at which you're willing to go to save each one of us, that we would be willing to let go of our anger, our bitterness, our unforgiveness towards anyone. That we would let go of our unhealthy attachments. That we would cling to you the author and the finisher of our faith. Help us to remember your body broken, your blood shed, your love poured out in such a profound way. Thank you for the gospel. Amen. So I encourage you to stand up. We're going to sing uh, this song together. to this week. And I just want to remind you, you can buy your book as you walk out. We also take a benevolent offering uh, every time we do uh, communion. 
and that is the offering that we use to support you, the body, whenever you come into need. So if you want to leave anything in the Benevolent Fund, that would be great. And we have some people down here that would love to pray with you and for you. If you have physical, uh, spiritual needs and want to come down, we would love to pray with you. So God bless you. Enjoy the snow.